Welcome to the High Speed Podcast, the official podcast of the High Speed Alliance, taking you further, faster, together. We are setting our course for freedom and legacy through mastery of business, finance, family, and lifestyle. Welcome to the High Speed Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Forrest Bryant, and uh, we are excited to have a have a special guest on today. We are we are here to help our listeners on their path towards freedom and legacy. And we do that by mastering business, finances, family, and lifestyle. And so uh, our guest today is Abby Golhar. Abby, how are you doing today? I am great, Doc. Can I call you Doc? I'm going to call you Doc. You can, you can. (laughs) I I answer to anything, Doc, Doc B, uh, (laughs) anything like that. And Forrest works fine too. Hey, there you go. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited. Well, I'm I'm excited. Uh, you and I have been uh, getting to be uh, good friends. We've been uh, been in contact for a while now, and uh, got a lot of mutual friends. And uh, Abby is the uh, the host of Real Estate Deal Talk. So, uh, you know, tell us uh, you know tell us a little bit about you know, your your podcast and your radio that you're doing, and um, you know, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, there's so there's if there's one thing just in terms of influence or marketing that I always suggest is, is get out there and listen to good information and then use that information to your benefit. And if you have the opportunity to jump on a guest, be a guest on somebody's podcast or just add value in some way, absolutely take advantage of that. But, uh, you know, Doc, what I've been doing here over the last maybe two years is really putting out awesome content, or at least what I feel is awesome content. Otherwise, I'd get a lot of hate email. So that's good. (laughs) At least I have good information out there. Um, I have a weekly podcast. It's called Real Estate Deal Talk. I'm the host of Think Realty Radio, which is a daily radio show that's nationally syndicated on the Wall Street Business Network. And all I do is talk about real estate investing, different strategies, tactics that I'm using in my business as a multifamily syndicator and uh, just kind of acquiring single family rentals on the side just for me and also the successes and failures of others along with my failures because this journey that we're on in the real estate space, is it, it's, it's not riddled with success, quite frankly. Not all the time. It's also riddled with failure. And I love talking about that and the mistakes that we've made and all of the gold nuggets that we've learned from that. I'm also the managing partner of Summit and Crown uh, here in Atlanta, Georgia. And we identify multifamily apartment complexes. We also like mobile home parks. And again, you know, just uh, kind of a kind of beat a dead horse here. I like my, sin- my single family rentals. Some people don't like them. You know what? I like them. I like them. I'm sure we can get into that too. Yeah, no, that's great. So, uh, uh, so I, I think my listeners just got real excited uh, listening to you say that because that's a lot of things that we that we talk about on on a regular basis. And so, uh, I know they're I know they're I know they're very excited to hear what you have to say on these things. Um, so, you know, we've, we're flipping the tables on you. You're, you're used to being the one asking the questions, but today <laughs> yeah. you get to answer all the questions. So, uh, uh, but I, I know you'll I know you'll do great. Um, you got it. So, you know, tell us, uh, let's start with, uh, you know, you, you mentioned failures, you know, we, we, we all have those. And uh, I know you've got a, a very rich history um, with, uh, you know, with your, with, uh, you know, your education and your family. And, uh, you know, give us a little backstory on, uh, on, on who Abby is and how you got to this point. Yeah, um, I was I was born in a little town called Portage, Michigan. Um, well, Kalamazoo, Michigan. It's in the southwest side of the state, kind of halfway between Chicago, and Detroit. And both my parents are immigrants. They came from India. Uh, my dad came here. Um, he flew into Detroit and took a one-way cab to Ann Arbor, where he finished his PhD in IOE, industrial Opera- industrial operations engineering. I can never get it right. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> um, 
And now he's been, he's been a tenured professor at Western Michigan. He's been teaching there since I think 85 and I was born in 84. And so a lot of my life, I grew up in the academic world. You know, I, I grew up uh, loving mathematics and, and sciences and English and the arts and music and sports. Uh, I, my parents did a very good job of having me be a very super well-rounded kid and not just focus only on math or only on science mm. or only a combination of those two. They recognize that the arts and literature and music and, and dance is just as equally as important, if not, if not sometimes more important than mathematics and science. And so I grew up in this super academic household. And I remember like I always had this, this want to learn about stocks and bonds and mutual funds and real estate and ever since I was like six, seven years old. And my dad always used to tell me, he's like, uh, don't worry about that right now. You know, like you'll, you'll figure that out later. And so he kept telling me that and telling me that this was all the way through like senior year in high school. I'm like, come on, what does a guy have to do, right? Mm -hmm. To like understand how the markets work. And so I didn't really get a whole lot of that education because the emphasis uh, to, to my parents' credit was focused on getting into a good college, which I did. I also ended, uh, attended the University of Michigan. I pursued my bachelor's in electrical engineering, finished in 2006. And not because I was, you know, I was forced uh, to do that, but because I really enjoyed um, I really enjoyed technology. And back then, it was a very different time. You know, your computers, you had like super, uh, super computers, I like to call them, even though they weren't really super computers. Uh, they were just really tall computers. You had the towers and everything like this. And I first started my entrepreneurial career in high school. I created like an early version of Geek Squad, which was go around the neighborhood, knock on doors and say... You know, hey, it's Abby, and do you have a computer that needs repair? Because I sure as heck know that you don't know a whole lot about computers. <laughs> you know, like, let a, let a kid help you out, like, switch out hardware, fix software issues. And so that's what geared me toward my electrical engineering degree. I'm like, hey, I'm really good at this stuff, so why not get a degree in it? Um, boy, I mean, I can keep going. But, like, I think when I was, in, when I was at Michigan, I was super bored. Like, I failed that first – my first – semester at Michigan, um, I was humbled. Are, are you familiar with the square root club, Doc? Do you know what the square root club is? No, no. Okay. It's, it's, it's an elite, it's a, it's a super elite club at Michigan where if you don't do well your first semester, um, depending on how badly you do, you're admitted to the square root club. Uh. And, it's, and it's where the square root of your GPA is actually higher than your GPA. <laughs> Okay, so for, for you math nuts out there, I know you're already laughing your faces off, but for those of you that are like sitting out and you have a, you have a calculator, it's where your square, it's, it's the, the only time this happens is when your GPA is less than one. It's <laughs> the only time it happens. And so I, I thought, gee whiz, there has to be a better way. And I'm, I'm like in the corner of my, you know, five foot five dorm room. And I'm like sitting in this corner, like twitching because I'm like, holy cow, you know, I have like these genius Indian parents and I'm going to get slapped if I go home and present these grades. I need to feel better about myself. My buddy, Tommy, gives me this book. It's everybody knows this book. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Mm. And it lifted my spirits a little bit. I thought to myself, well, gee whiz, there's a lot more here than just a, than just a degree that I'm going to get. I finished, but I need to start focusing more on my financial future. And that's where it started for me. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, well, let's, uh, you know, let's kind of go into a little bit of the, uh, you know, where we are right now. 
And so, you know, I know you, uh, you talk with a lot of people, you have clients and you have a lot of uh, clients that are, that you work with a lot in the, in the medical community and you, in, in your syndications that you're, you're looking at um, uh, a lot of different, different types of projects in different areas. So, you know, kind of fill us in on, on Abby's take on, you know, where you feel like we are in the market right now. And, you know, it, with, with an eye towards and a focus on, uh, you know, real estate and specifically multifamily real estate, where do you, where do you feel like we are right now? And it's, uh, early, uh, you know, on these evergreen types of podcasts that may live on for a long time. It's early 2018. I'm feeling a little worried. Um, only because, so I live in Atlanta and, you know, we have really good broker relationships here, just like everybody listening that's syndicating for multifamily, everybody has good broker relationships. And I'm, I mean, it's, it's, it's like getting into a bidding war in a place where nobody should be going or should be paying the amount that they're paying for a crappy property. That's what's happening right now, mm-hmm. both on the multifamily end and single family end. Just very recently, um, I think maybe two and a half, three weeks ago, I interviewed a Doug Duncan, who's the chief economist at Fannie Mae, and that was for the radio show. And I said, Doug, you know what? You, you guys are the ones that have the crystal ball, right? Like mm. I'm, I'm sitting here with a, with a snow globe. Like I'm trying to figure out like what's, what's going on. Um, if there's going to be a correction, when do you think it could happen? Or when do you think it would start? And he said, if there's going to be a correction, look for it toward the end of 2019. I said, okay, interesting. Um, but the opposite argument could be could also be made where demand is high, inventory is low, so it's not like where it's not like there's a whole lot of predatory lending out there. It still makes sense to buy. And on the single family end, I feel like we're we're a little you know the prices aren't making a whole lot of sense. And then I look to the multifamily because I need to I need to keep buying stuff, or at least stuff that makes sense and stuff being a very technical term that we're using here. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm constantly being bid out by folks that are, whether they're inexperienced or they're willing to go places and pay more for a lower cap rate. And I just, I don't, I don't understand it. It just, I'm a little flabbergasted. So Hmm. where do I feel that we are right now? I feel like we're, we're at a place where we need to be checking our gut more frequently. And we also need to be in a place where we should be okay without buying something and not be afraid to say no. I think we shouldn't buy just because we have to buy or we, ha- we should buy just because we have capital to deploy. I think that's the worst position to be in. Mm-hmm. And if we pay attention to that, then I think we'll make out okay. Otherwise, we'll, we will make stupid decisions. And it happens all the time. Great, great point. And, um, you know, just to, uh, uh, to support your statements there, I hear that from other syndicators that, um, and, and, and really the, the, the discussion, as you alluded to, is the same in single family in a lot of different markets. Um, you're, you're, you're having these bidding wars and things are getting bid up. And I know some syndicators that normally do four to five projects per year, um, they're happy to do, you know, one to two now just because, you know, the, the, the deals are not there. And so, you know, I think, um, you know, you have to, you have to set your parameters on what's a, what's an acceptable deal and, you know, something that, that is a good deal to you and not, not, um, get, get out too far over your ski tips. Um, as you might say with, you know, taking, taking marginal deals. So you agree with that? Yep. I, I, 
uh, echo exactly what you're saying. I mean, I completely agree. And if you're new and you're considering getting into this game as well, like pay attention to what, what sellers of multifamily uh, apartment complexes are telling you, right? Like if you're not used to reading financial statements, go figure out, go take a class or figure out how to look through financial statements because there's, it's, it's very easy to hide stuff in financial statements. Like it's so easy. And that's what happens. And it, it, it's, that's what happens. And, and the brokers, they'll say, well, Hey, you know, we represent the seller. It's up to you to do your own due diligence. Well, okay. But you'll get a super nice glossy looking deck and it's also called an offering memorandum and it will show you, Oh man, you know, here are all the comps and you know, wow, this paper is nice, thick, glossy paper. So it must be good. <laughs> you know, it's no, like, no, no, it's bad. Like don't trust the paper. You have to trust your own due diligence. Now look at the distribution, look at the density of three beds, two baths to um, two ones or two twos and see what effect that has in the local area there. You know, like if you're not doing this kind of level of research, you're going to get you. You you will shoot yourself in the foot. The question is, what kind of gun are you going to use? <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> um, and you know, I think that also, um, you know, we've got a lot of uh, uh, early or inexperienced investors, and they're they you know they, they they learn about uh, what we're doing and they get real excited. But um, you know, I think now's the time where you know you got to be got to be cautious. And we talk about dry powder um, on our on our show sometimes, and um, you know, just, uh, now, now is a good time to be making sure that you're, uh, uh, not, not getting, uh, too anxious to go out and buy things, make sure that you still get good deals. But, you know, the other thing I think that's important is just, uh, knowing that, you know, things will go on sale in, in the future and you want to make sure that you've got your dry powder and you've got, you've got access to capital, um, so that you're able to take advantage of those sale prices when they come up down the road. Absolutely. You, you know, what drives my, drives me crazy, doc is everybody gets geared up for the day after Thanksgiving, right? Mm -hmm. And we all know that everything's going on sale. America is on sale, right? And we are willing to go to great lengths to do the due diligence, right? The homework. We're going to compare all the newspapers and find the best deals. And we're going to go online and wake up at midnight so that we can buy the Amazon Echo or whatever. But we're not willing to go to that length when we are identifying multifamily opportunities, single family opportunities, heck, even a stock, right? Like mm-hmm. the way that people buy stocks is saying, hey, doc, what, what, what do you buy? What's in your portfolio right now? Oh, you know, I like a little bit of this and I like a little bit of that. Oh, okay, because doc likes it. That means I'm just going to go ahead and buy it. That's not yeah. true. Sure. Right? You have to jump on the quarterly calls. You have to look at the financials. So yeah. Yeah. go to where the information is. Good stuff there, Abby. So, you know, let's, um, you know, we talked about kind of going on a high level and so let's, um, let's, let's back it up just a little bit and let's talk about syndications kind of in general and, and we can kind of break that down and in, in a little bit deeper into that, into the, uh, multifamily, um, asset, asset class. So, you know, let's, let's look at, um, you know, why would somebody who's, um, of, you know, majority of our listeners are, you know, physicians and dentists and small business owners that, that, you know, have, have some good money to, uh, to invest. Why should they think about syndications and, you know, what are, what are some of the pros and cons and why should they, uh, consider doing that? And, and why should they consider doing that, uh, and look at multifamily to fit that part of their portfolio? 
Well, I think you have to look for, look at multifamily for a multiple of uh, just for a variety of reasons, right? If you're if you're looking at well, let me start with single family, and then we'll jump jump to multifamily real quick. Sure. If, if you if you want to jump into into single family, think of economies of scale. If you have one three bed two bathroom house, and that goes vacant, you're at a hundred percent vacancy, right? If you have a hundred units, or you're part of a syndication, and it takes down a hundred unit apartment complex, hey, you know what? You're pretty well hedged. You know, even if you have two or three or four or five or six or seven percent vacancy, that's okay. You can work on fixing that, but it's not like you'll have a hundred percent vacancy. The other challenge with single family rentals is they're scattered throughout the city. Imagine having a hundred single family rentals. That's, that's like, you know, that's like going gray prematurely. Like (laughs) that's total stress, the stress nation. You don't need that versus a hundred units all in one place. Makes sense. I think one of the cons of having 100 units all in one place is kind of the same thing, right? It's, well, if, if an HVAC system breaks down, hopefully you have, obviously you have backups, but that could affect a larger number of units. And then all of a sudden you're offering concessions, et cetera. But generally speaking, if you have good management, like we have in-house management, which is generally, I think, unheard of. But if you have good management and you're able to address some of these challenges um, early on, then you won't have you just won't have that type of breakdown. Um, I like single family. Don't get me wrong. I like single family because it's a more liquid asset class for me. And it's relatively new, comparatively speaking, uh, to the entire Wall Street world. And they like it too. And then I just like being a little bit more diversified. Multifamily though, you get so much, right? You, you get to reduce your risks. You, you're reducing your risk because you're with other accredited investors through a syndicator that should have a proven track record and you can adjust your investment to a more comfortable overall risk level for you. But I would also say if you have to figure out what type of investor you are to begin with, if you're a dentist and you're thinking to yourself, well, gee whiz, you know, I loved watching Star Trek Voyager like back in the nineties and I'm still like this adventure risking type of person, then Passive investing in a multifamily apartment complex may not be what you're looking for. You might be looking to take on additional risk with greater returns, which is totally A-OK. You got to do what makes sense for you. But if you're looking at opening up and diversifying into different passive income streams, then multifamily makes sense. You get to reduce your risk. There are so many, uh, there are so many tax advantages with multifamily as well. You could, um, um, depreciation is huge, right? That's incredible. And if you're able to segregate your costs, then you can, you can depreciate a multifamily unit significantly faster. And there's mm-hmm. a very specific way that you can do that. You get the economies of scale. You have cash distributions. You have capital appreciation. You have asset protection. So it works. It just works. I think one of the biggest ones for me is economies of scale, Doc. Mm-hmm. Great, 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 great points there, um, Abby. Uh, so... You tell us a little bit about some of your syndications that you guys are doing, uh, uh, you know, kind of what kind of areas and, you know, how big are the units and, uh, you know, how many, how many units per, per project and, you know, give us a little overview of the, you know, the projects you guys have done or, or are currently working on. Yeah, no, great question. So we focus on the Southeast and we love Atlanta and we love Atlanta and surrounding areas. Now, we just alluded to kind of where the market has been. And let me tell you, we're not buying a whole lot. 
right now. Mm-hmm, we're kind mm-hmm. of sitting around and kind of figuring out what makes sense. We're exploring the mobile home park arena as well because we feel like people that can't that if we have affordability that is driving downward, then folks will take a look at mobile home parks. So we're, we're kind of exploring that a little bit. Um, generally our apartment complexes, you're looking at a minimum of a hundred, 120 units. Um, I mean, it's the biggest, biggest, biggest benefit that we have is in-house management. I mean, it, mm-hmm. For us, that's a total, 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 total win. Um, we've raised roughly $60 million in private equity over the last many years. We've done 43 uh, different transactions. Well, that's actually inaccurate. That's 43 closings. Um, I think in December, there was one deal that had five different transactions. So I, I can probably update that for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're also, um, we're also catering to now roughly over 27, 2,800 families. And... Mm-hmm we get really excited about creating the impact for these families by growing farms in the communities. Mm-hmm. And so we'll give the kids an opportunity to provide uh, the internship. So we'll give them internships over the summer and they get, they, they understand how to take care of crops and things like that. So that's really huge benefit. We're starting financial education classes for the kids as well. And also for the parents, because you know, they need that. Um, sure. So just, just a quick little light overview. Um, nothing that you can't find, A, on our website, and then, two, um, for any other operator out there. I mean, happy to provide case studies. I think, Doc, I mentioned I'm going to get case studies to you on a PDF basis for every single property that we've done. So uh, you can absolutely expect that. Okay, excellent, excellent. And uh, also, uh, just a point, um, and uh, I'll let you answer the question, but it's a little rhetorical, but uh, self-directed IRA funds. If, if somebody has self-directed IRA funds, can they uh, invest those in a syndication? Absolutely. If you are not taking advantage of the power of a self-directed IRA, I think you are losing the game of life. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, th- I think we, we right, you, you've got to call Doc and y'all have to have like a one-on-one <laughs> heart-to-heart conversation. Like that's ultimately where you need to be. Um, oh, love it. You know, that's a good it, one. I, we, we might need to quote that. You're <laughs> losing like, the game of life. Losing the game of life. I mean, <laughs> and, the, and then imagine, right? Like you have a self-directed Roth IRA. Yeah, that's even better. I love it. All the gains there. If you, one, you have to title things properly. Two, you have to make sure you're not doing anything that's going to violate UBIT, right? Your unrelated business income tax. That's a big no-no. You can't lend money to family members, direct family, et cetera. But if you follow these rules, it can be a very powerful tool. And if you're using a self-directed Roth IRA, I mean, holy cow, you're totally winning. Love it. Love it. So, uh, you know, we talked about mistakes earlier. So, you know, uh, open up the book and tell us, you know, what's the, uh, if you want to be on a, on a personal level, what's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate investing? Or, or if you don't want to be personal, if you just want to see, uh, share, you know, one, one of the biggest mistakes that you've seen somebody else make in real estate investing. I'll, I'll share one of mine. I mean, this was during the college days for me. I totally failed. Um, Here's how I did that. I was in college and I was driving back and forth between Ann Arbor and, and Detroit. Like this was inner city Detroit. This isn't just like inner city Detroit. This is ghetto inner city Detroit where I had no business being. But I bought property there because I didn't know any better. I trusted the wrong mentor. So mistake number one, I didn't 
scrub my mentors. I didn't figure out who exactly my mentor was and really get to know this person. So that's mistake number one. Mistake number two is taking on three renovations as a college kid with 17 credit hours in electrical engineering <laughs> classes at Michigan, <laughs> which is one of the toughest programs in the country. That's probably, you know, not having the foresight to understand that was mistake number two. And then I get the call. The call from my contractor who says, Abby, you need to go to your property and you just need to, you just need to deal with it. I'm like, that's what you're here for, right? <laughs> you should be doing this. And so I didn't really understand how to manage contractors either. And I, I said to him, why can't you just do it? I'm all the way here in Ann Arbor, whatever. He's like, well, I have to pick up my kids. I'm like, okay, I understand that. So when I leave Atlanta, it is like, it's like, I don't know, six, seven o'clock in the evening. It's seven, six, seven o'clock in the evening, and we and and I drive. Um, we finish up all my classes and and my um, uh, study groups after. That's what it's called, study groups after um, after the day. And then I drive from Ann Arbor to Detroit. By the time I get there, it is an absolute blizzard. It is just bad news. I pull up into the driveway. I open the front door. I see a shop vac. I'm like, okay, I know what a shop vac is. What am I going to use it for? And then I hear it. Then I hear the running water in the basement. I go downstairs and I'm like up to my ears. I tell the story different times I, I, <laughs> or different ways. I tell folks and I'm up to my ankles, up to my knees. I quite frankly, it was a lot of water. And I like to exaggerate a little bit with the amount of water that was there. But for me, it was a lot of water. It was, <laughs> it was roughly maybe like shin level. And for me, that's, you know, I'm like a five foot five guy. So like for me, that's like, you know, up to my nose and water. <laughs> and so I, I'm like... I try to take this shop vac down the stairs. It like tumbles down the stairs. Now the shop vac's wet. So it's a terrible situation. And I'm freezing because there's no heat in the house, obviously. And now it's like maybe 10, 1030 at night after I've just made a mess of things in the house. So I decide, all right, I need to buckle up and I need to go door knocking at night. So, you know, you have those folks in the single family world that will go knocking on doors for, to find deals. I was knocking on doors to like save my life. <laughs> at this point. And it was, it took me until maybe 1130, 11.45 at night until I found a gentleman who said, all right, you know what, man, I'll help you out. And we toiled away until maybe two or three o'clock in the morning. And I said, go home because it's just not, it's not, nothing's happening. The, the water, I couldn't even find the source of the leak because it was underwater at this point and I had no idea what was going on. So he went home and I didn't have a bed on the second floor. So I curled up into like a small ball in the corner of the master bedroom and I fell asleep. In that moment, I had no idea what I was doing and I realized that I was vulnerable. Mom and dad would kill me and they would kill me and they would probably kill me a third time <laughs> if they knew what was going on. And I was, I was like, I was, I cried. I had no help. My mentor abandoned me. What was I going to tell like my dad, who I think is my, my mom and dad, who I think are my heroes. I'm not going to, I'm not going to admit that I'm failing at this stuff. They would be like, why are you not focusing on your classes? Because that's just kind of who they were back then. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really know what to do. So I, I just, I went to class the next day. I dug my car out of the, out of the snow and went to, went to class. 
and I was just in this daze of not caring until I decided to take some action. But I feel the biggest mistake that I made was jumping in too quickly and jumping in without understanding who I was. Mm. That, that investment personality piece, especially in the beginning is so, so, so important. Like for physicians out there, for dentists out there, you provide a tremendous service to the community. Believe me, like I, I absolutely hate getting crowns and whatever. And like uh, fillings rather I have one crown. I don't know why I'm admitting this, but Mm -hmm. you know, for me feeling comfortable, even for my physician, like I don't like getting blood taken, but you know, the the docs make me feel comfortable. You guys do an awesome service to the overall healthcare of this country, but understand yourself before you jump into the real estate investing world. Do your homework. Let the operators results speak for themselves. You should be able to connect with other investors. You should be able to connect with, um, to connect with the operators themselves. They should be able to provide you info on all of their deals. Like do this. Otherwise you're also making a mistake. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I think I'm deviating. Sorry. No, uh, that was, that was fantastic. Uh, <laughs> thank you for sharing that story. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think that our listeners need to listen to that and know that, um, uh, you know, you can get burned and, um, you know, it's important to make sure that, uh, that you're getting educated and you're not moving too fast and that you do understand yourself and that you surround yourself with good people. And, um, you know, just make sure that, uh, you know, we, we've got a lot of opportunities to, uh, we call it joint venturing and, um, you know, making sure that, um, that you're not trying to do everything on your own. When you try to do everything on your own, uh, it's very easy to, to fail and to fail miserably. So I uh, appreciate you yeah. sharing that, sharing that story. My so um, we're kind of getting to, to the end here, Abby. Do you have a, uh, do you have a favorite uh, quote or uh, you know, a, a book that you're reading right now or a favorite book that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah. So one of the, one of my favorite quote, the quotes comes from Rockefeller and I think about this all the time, especially when I'm designing my life, uh, whether it's multifamily investing, single family investing, whatever, startup investing, whatever it is that I'm, that I'm always doing. And I, and I have this written down. Um, I have a lot of his quotes written down, but I love this one the most. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Quote, it is wrong to assume that men of immense wealth are always happy. And I think we can, I, I, quite frankly, let's, let's modernize that quote a little bit. I, it is wrong to assume, uh, to assume that men and women of immense wealth are always happy. Mm-hmm. And so, quite frankly, then the question, the next question is, what does wealth mean? And for many of us listening, wealth isn't only or shouldn't only be just a financial figure. If it is only a financial figure, and if you're a physician and you're only working for the money, then I feel like you're also failing at life because there's so much more that you're missing out here. It's not just about the quarter million or the 200,000 or the 175 that you're going to make doing whatever. It's not, that's not it, right? It's let's create impact and let's figure out a way that we can do that together. Um, and that can be done in, 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 a, in a variety of ways, but understand what wealth means for you and structure your life accordingly. Love it. What about a book? Uh, the, the books that I'm reading right now, um, I, I love Principles by Ray Dalio. That is really like, hmm. he is such a, he, I feel like he has this Frank Sinatra kind of swag about him. <laughs> uh, 
So I, I tweeted him that. I didn't get a response. Um, but he has this really cool vibe about him. And you can just see that this book is written for those that are really uniquely positioned to, to scale and grow. And it just offers those small tidbits, just tweaks. You know, it's like if, if, you're at the, if you're at a golf course and you had Tiger Woods right there, your favorite golfer right there helping you with that millimeter touch, that millimeter. Tony Robbins says that, right? You can swing mm-hmm. like Tiger Woods. You're just a millimeter off. <laughs> like <Right>. that's, <laughs> that's really it. The second yep. book that I'm reading is, um, is by the, the grandfather of, of uh, syndication, um, Samuel Free. Um, what's his last name? Jeez. Uh, is it Freshman? I'm sorry, Freshman. Samuel Freshman. Mm-hmm. I, I apologize. Um, the grandfather of multifamily syndication, uh, Samuel Freshman. The book is titled Principles of Real Estate Syndication. I cannot stress how incredibly awesome this book is. So I would pick up the both of those books if you can. Awesome. That's, that's some re- really, really good input there, Abby. Um, so we're kind of, we're kind of wrapping it up. Uh, we're going to go to our members only part of the podcast here in a minute, but um, if somebody's out there listening and they'd like to get in touch with you, what's, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Oh, you know, dial 911. Ha! <laughs> no, I'm just- <laughs> I should have that right. 911realestate.com yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, just for you physicians and dentists out there. Um, now, I, I would say the best way to get in touch with me is to go to realestatedealtalk.com. If you're on LinkedIn or if you're on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, I'm all over the place. I'm on YouTube. Uh, just look me up, Abby Goldhart. And don't, don't worry, if you can't spell my name, Google will autocorrect it. <laughs> Love it. well thanks Abby. don't go anywhere we're going into the members only section and for our listeners uh i think if you were if you were, if your ears were open hopefully you got a uh, a ton of value out of Abby's share there uh, it was fantastic uh thank you for listening uh thanks for listening to the high speed podcast if you want to listen to some of our other podcasts uh, uh just check us out on uh on our website or on itunes and make sure to like us and share it and uh Be sure to uh, check out High Speed Alliance for our next meeting coming up. And uh, thanks for listening. And thank you, Abby. Uh, Did did fantastic. Hi, this is Dr. Forrest Bryant, and I want to thank you for listening to the High Speed Podcast. Uh, We want to remind you that the information we share on this show is impersonal and only our opinion. You should not take impersonal advice and apply it to your own situation without discussing this information with us or with another licensed professional uh, that's familiar with your situation. Um, Our opinions are just that, and this show is for education only. Uh, This is in no way a solicitation or offer to sell any securities or other types of investments. So thank you, and uh, have a great day. You've been listening to the High Speed Podcast. To read our blog and to learn more, visit our website at www.highspeedpodcast.com.